This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their You got Rommel yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, starting quarterback time, depth chart time, game week time. Who isn't fired up right now time? Other than, than maybe Grant Ramey time, because he doesn't emote time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Russ Rucker coming to you. From Fort Rucker Studio here on uh, another beautiful, sunny, muggy Monday afternoon here in God's Own, Knoxville, Tennessee. Just a couple of miles away from Neyland Stadium, where in just, what, three days from now, Tennessee will open the 2021 season against Bowling Green. 8 p.m. Eastern kickoff on SEC Network. I'm sure a lot of y'all will be coming in town for that game. Be safe on the travels on the way in. All kinds of stuff to discuss on this episode not just me and and you know since i made fun of ramey in the intro you know he's not here but the rest of the guys are here we'll go across town uh, to the home daycare center of ryan callahan and we'll go to the undisclosed location of the one the only patrick brown fellas how are we doing today doing well college football is back we got to see some games saturday and three days away from the opener at tennessee now so it's starting to feel Real, even though we haven't seen a, a real snap of practice in like nearly two weeks or something. Yeah, the uh, the first Monday game week always hits different because you see depth charts. Uh, you see in Tennessee name is starting quarterback today. All of these things um, that, that, that tell you that the season is here. Uh, unfortunately for Nebraska fans, the season already started. Um, yeah, but and we also should say that our thoughts and prayers are with everyone down in Louisiana, um, yes. who obviously that's a tough situation going on with Hurricane Ida. I uh, hope everyone is okay and has gotten out and and is safe. Yeah, the people of Louisiana, the people of Mississippi, uh, people in parts of Alabama. Uh, this, this thing is nasty. It's coming up this way uh, probably in the next couple of days. It won't be the same then, but certainly you know there are people in Middle Tennessee who have been affected by quite a bit uh, of rain recently, and there were lots of deaths in that area too, and, and, and that, that's, that's fresh. I mean, that's just like a week old, so more rain coming to that area is certainly not anything you want to hear about. So just well wishes and every good thought and prayer you have to those guys. There, there is a lot going on in this world uh, that is infinitely more important than football, but we are here to provide that distraction uh, for you and, and uh, to you know no matter what's going on in your life whether it's good whether it's bad here we are discussing Tennessee football which starts this week uh, and I am though I just now noticed that the t-shirt that I'm wearing I'm wearing the old school throwback uh, Hawaii Rainbow Warrior shirt and uh, they they also did not look great over the weekend they had an opener against UCLA that that went rather poorly um, but you know the, the bottom line is they're infinitely 
things infinitely more important than football, but that's okay. We're here talking football. And, and fellas, we sort of knew this was coming, right? I mean, I guess you don't ever know until it's confirmed with 100% certainty. But right now, uh, it has been confirmed by Josh Heupel himself that Tennessee's junior Joe Milton III will be the starting quarterback. You know, there was a lot of hype about him in camp. There was a lot, a lot of hype about him last year at Michigan, too. Didn't turn out as well there. Injuries, poor offense, other things. Uh, are we surprised that Joe Milton is the starter? And how do we feel about that? What does that mean for Tennessee? Uh, no surprise, really, if, if, if you've been paying attention to this podcast, if you've been paying attention on the GoVols 24-7 message board, or even read the site anywhere, I don't, I don't, I don't think, personally, speaking for myself, I don't think I've tried to hide it, that, that he was going to be the guy. Um, and as Heifel mentioned on Monday, uh, sort of coming out of that second scrimmage or, or going into the second scrimmage, he was starting to maybe forge ahead a little bit. And then uh, I think it was the second scrimmage that at that point it was like, okay, he's the guy, let's roll with him. Um, he's been getting the first team reps really for the last, I mean, uh, it's been a minute. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, not, not really a surprise to me. Uh, I was a little surprised Heupel mentioned it because uh, he seemed pretty stalwart or uh, entrenched in his uh, clandestine uh, approach to this for, or at least last time he talked um, and keeping practices closed and whatnot. But um, I, I, I'm a little surprised that he, that he named him on, on Monday, but I guess his, uh, you know, I guess that would kind of made sense. since there's only three days before the first game, but uh, not really surprised that he's the guy. I think that that's been pretty clear for at least a couple of weeks now, maybe not even longer, a little longer than that. Yeah. Ryan, what were we yeah. thinking before going into this? What were we thinking? 50, 50, uh, that he, that he, that he names the quarterback today. What, what, where were you, where were you thinking on that? Cause I was thinking, Probably that he would, but did not know that he would. Um, I know there were lots of thoughts on whether he would or wouldn't. What do you think? You know, about a week ago, I, I thought he probably was going to do it on the Monday of, of this week. I, I talked myself into, though, over the past few days, thinking that he was just going to let it go till, till game day at this point. Because as he admitted in discussing the decision, Joe Milton's essentially been taking you know the the starters reps for seven to ten days um it doesn't sound like it's been uh very very hidden from the team which which we kind of had heard ourselves so it's not a surprise at all to anybody in the program i don't think but uh but knowing that and that they had chosen not to uh, name the starter last week i thought they might just let it go to game day and just let you know we've seen these before you know every time people ask uh on the first day of uh a preseason practice or whatever, you know, how, how quickly do you want to settle on a starting five on the offensive line? When do you want to name a starting quarterback? Every time I hear those questions, I kind of just roll my eyes on those because we've seen these so many times now and they all tend to play out the same way. Coaches are never in as big a hurry as, as you would think to, to, to decide on a starter. They're not really worried in most cases about putting it out there publicly for anybody to know. Coaches are unnecessarily paranoid in a lot of cases. I, I applaud Josh Heupel for making the announcement though, rather than waiting till Thursday it's Bowling Green. If you can't beat a 34-point underdog Bowling Green without trying to obscure your starting quarterback that everyone knows it's a poorly kept secret, uh, then you're you're worrying a little too much about those types of things. So put it out there. Uh, let, let, it, let it be known to the world. It, it was not – I'm sure Bowling Green has been preparing knowing that was likely to be the case anyway. But, yeah, I had started to kind of think it might not be announced on Monday, so I was a little bit surprised uh, that that came out. Yeah, and, and there's – you know, the – the case to be made for keeping it quiet, I, I think, would be on solid or more solid ground if you were opening with Pitt or if you were, you know, if it was last season and you were going into 
you know, a game against like a Mizzou and then South Carolina. I, I, I could understand maybe being a little more coy then, but you're opening as uh, against a team that went 0-5 last season in the MAC, a, a team that is in a transition period, a team that is not very good. There is just absolutely no reason at this point, I think, to not do it. So I'm glad that I'm glad he was an adult about it and did it. Uh, the the more interesting thing is who the backup quarterback is, which he did not say. Uh, he said that that is going to be either kept in house right now or they don't know. It was you had to kind of. It was interesting to kind of try to parse his words there and to see what he really meant. So so we'll see what what he means there. But in terms of the reasons for Milton, I think it was interesting, Pat, that he talked about the progression Milton has made and how quickly he picked up this offense, which if you rewind and go back in the not way back machine, but in the recent back machine, uh, you had receivers, uh, I believe. I forget who it was, but there were receivers and running backs we talked to on like the first or second day of preseason camp, and, and they were talking about how quickly Milton had picked up this offense, and from there it seemed like, man, this is going to be the guy, right? Yeah, and something that was said a, a little bit last week from Heupel and from, from offensive coordinator Alex Golish is that Milton kind of laid the groundwork for this before practice even started, um, and, and it was Jimmy Calloway that mentioned that uh, when they got to camp, it was like Milton had been here the whole spring just because that's how well he knew the offense. Um, that was in the uh, – I, I went back through all the interviews from, from camp. Um, uh, shoot, this was probably like two weeks ago. <laughs> I mean, uh, we rolled out a bunch of content from uh, on Milton when, when the announcement was made that had been sort of sitting there waiting uh, in all uh, honesty or all in, in all um, transparency. So, uh, you know, I'd gone through all the audio. So I remember that that quote being in there from, from Callaway. But, uh, but yeah, it just the guy got here, and in May, I think he was really even here before then, potentially. You know, I think he was spending some time in Knoxville before he was sort of in the program, quote-unquote, um, uh, back in May and June and July, really getting himself familiar with the offense, getting himself familiar with his teammates. I think that was a big thing. Um, that, that's something that we've heard Heifel talk a lot about is, is you want the quarterback to be a guy that, that affects the other guys on the team that they believe in. Uh, I think Milton showed – some of what he can do to his teammates over the course of the summer months before they got to camp. Um, and then it was sort of just a matter of him going out there and performing once they got uh, into practice settings and team periods, scrimmages, all that kind of stuff. And that, that's what he did. So, um, and you, and we heard that last week from, from both Heupel and, and Gola saying that him not being here for the spring wasn't really a big deal because he worked so hard to catch himself up um, after he got to Knoxville. So um, the, yeah, the the big question with him is how consistent can he be and can he avoid big mistakes? Because that was sort of his penchant at Michigan was, um, you know, he, he'd have some great throws that make you go, wow, one minute, and then he'd miss a guy by five yards, or he'd look like he'd be in a groove, and then he'd, he'd predetermine a throw and throw it into double coverage and miss two guys being wide open elsewhere on the route. So um, I, I think he brings a lot of upside to this offense, but uh, now that he's won the job, it, it's up to him to keep it with how he plays during the season and uh, for all of his ability. Uh, and, and obviously we have to mention that he was hurt last season. So I think that that was a big impact on, on the way he played, probably hurt his confidence too. And uh, as he told me on, on media day, there was a point where he couldn't even, could barely grip the football. His thumb was so bad. So um, if, if they get good Joe Milton, this offense could take off really quickly, but um, they need to get good Joe Milton on a more consistent basis than what maybe he showed at Michigan last season. But again, that was in a different offense with a different team uh, in a different season. And, and you, if you're Tennessee, you're hopeful that all of the things and all the advantages that he'll have here and the, the way this offense is run, the way he's being coached will, will bring that 
the good Joe Milton out on, on a more regular basis. Yeah, the thing that and, I always noticed, Ryan, was that, and correct me if I'm wrong here, please do correct me if I'm wrong, but but I got the impression. You're wrong. You don't even know, Pat. You don't even know. Uh, when we were talking with, you know, different players throughout camp, I won't mention coaches here, but, but players specifically throughout camp, and, and credit to Tennessee, we got to talk to a lot of different players throughout camp. Uh, it seemed like everyone was doing their best to to do the whole, you know, use the company line, talk about all three quarterbacks. But there, it just seemed to be a different reaction from the guys when you asked specifically about Milton. And, and I don't I, I don't think that's just because he's the new guy because, you know, Hooker got here in January. It's not like he's been there forever. Uh, it, it seemed like there's just, you know, some of them hit it pretty well. Some of them hit it less well than others. Talking about just how different Milton was when he was out there and they, they just seemed to, they just seemed to light up a little bit, didn't they? Yeah, they, they did. And I, I think part of that is just human nature uh, because they could, they could see the way through the ball. Uh, and we talked a little bit about it with, uh, with Cedric Tillman on Monday, just the uh, kind of adjusting to the, the strength with which uh, Joe Milton throws the ball. It, it, it's probably been a bit of an adjustment for Tennessee's receivers because he throws so hard. Uh, and that, that, that might be a challenge for him too. In addition to what the types of mistakes Patrick mentioned that he made last year at Michigan, uh, I wonder if he throws with such zip on some of these passes that if a quick slant is going to go off a receiver's hands and get picked off easily uh, at some point, because of just the, the way he kind of zips it in there. So what we'll see, I, I, I think that's at least a challenge for him, but he's got a cannon one, of, maybe the strongest arm of any quarterback I've seen at Tennessee I think fans are, are, are going to be pretty impressed by it when they see him uncork a deep ball at some point. But I, I do think that's uh, – Patrick touched on something else, though. I, I think this has been not, certainly not preordained. I think he had to go out there and win the job, clearly. But I think this is the way Tennessee envisioned this playing out when they decided to bring in Joe Milton in the first place. Uh, a lot of people, I think, forgot throughout spring practice, this staff didn't bring in Hendon Hooker. Um, this staff obviously you know, didn't know Harrison Bailey that well. So – seeing the situation in the first couple of weeks of spring practice, I think they felt like if there was a special guy out there that they, they needed to bring someone in to, to compete for the job. And, and they, they knew Joe Milton again from their time in Orlando uh, when he was coming out of high school, they, they knew him down there. And when they, when they saw that he was available, I, I think it was pretty quickly uh, a fit. And, and once, you know, Patrick mentioned that he, he got, he was on campus the weekend of the spring game in April, hanging out. He, you know, this was kind of uh, already d- a done deal, I think, in a lot of ways in the month of April, maybe even earlier. So the fact that this happened uh, to be a summer edition, essentially, or he was on campus in May, I-, I think doesn't quite tell you how long he's been preparing to be in this race and winning the job. So he's had a long time to get used to the system. He's put in the work. I think that's still a two or three weeks ago. That was maybe the biggest argument for going with Hooker or Bailey, that they went through spring practice and had maybe mastered the system a little bit more. But I think Milton's come along far enough that he is, uh, that, that he is in position to, to be the guy that they, that they feel confident in leading this offense. And it's, it's not just the ability. It's not just the arm strength. Now I think they feel like he has position, uh, put himself in position mentally and mastering this offense enough to, to be the guy and to, the, they hope take this offense to the next level. Yeah, Pat, it's, the, it's the, hard not to feel for the other guys, isn't it, Pat? You know, like you know, Hendon Hooker, as Ryan said, gets here in January for a previous staff, and and you know he 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 started what 23, 25 games, something like that, twenty six games, fifteen, Tech, fifteen. But he, I guess he played in that many games and started fifteen. But he had been a guy who did not 
transfer for you know his final year or maybe final two years of college football uh, to go and sit on the bench because he had been playing at Virginia Tech, which is a, you know a solid program. So yeah, you, ha- you hate to you kind of feel for him a little bit just as a human. Plus, I mean, Harrison Bailey was the starter for the end of Tennessee season last year. So you feel for those guys a little bit, but the situation is what it is, and they did not win this competition. What do you think this means for them, for their futures at Tennessee? Well, I don't I don't think either of those guys is going to be sort of a knee-jerk, go-in-the-portal guy. Um, and we've seen this, you know, we've seen this here several times in the, in, in the recent past, the Tennessee's had to start three different quarterbacks, you know, in 2019, they started, technically they started four different guys. Um, Cause Jawan Jennings got a quote unquote official start uh, against South Carolina when he went out there for the first snap at quarterback. So um, they, they need to keep those guys ready. I, I would think Hooker would probably be the backup. Um, if I, if I had to make that prediction now, uh, I think the situation is probably tougher on him just because uh, when he came here, he was coming here for a different staff. And then, you know, like the day or two right after he gets to campus, um, the staff he came here to play for is out. New staff comes in, good offense. He fits it. Um, I think he gives them a good floor for what he could do. Um, and I think to his credit and Bailey's credit, they both took steps over the summer from the spring. Uh, and, and something that Ryan said that got me to think, uh, the further we get away from this spring, was there a more pointless spring practice that we've ever covered? I mean, this team is entirely different in so many ways um, from from what we saw in March and April because starting quarterback wasn't there. They barely had any linebackers. So many different guys weren't here um, that, that that whole spring was such a – it's kind of – I don't want to say it's pointless, um, but it was kind of like we didn't really learn anything because this team's so new. But um, obviously a lot of, a lot of people in, in Tennessee's fan base have, have sort of um, – kind of gotten hooked in with Bailey and, and he's been their guy since he committed early and stayed loyal and put up big numbers. But um, I, I think he's a guy that just needs some time. I don't, I don't think he's a great fit for this offense. Cause I, I don't think he has the same kind of arm strength and, and, and mobility that the other two have. Um, but if there's any concern about losing him to the portal, you know, these coaches now they have a couple of recent cases of, of what can happen if you stick to it. And, uh, at a quarter, as a quarterback, and that's Mac Jones and Kyle Trask, two guys that stayed in the program, developed, got better, worked hard, um, and, and got you know improved over the course of time. All sitting behind bigger name guys at, at Alabama for Mac Jones, it was uh, Jalen Hurts and, and Tua Tagovailoa. Then he gets his opportunity. I remember he that game against Tennessee in 2019 when he first got in there, he looked like a deer in the headlights. And then yeah. since then, he's been really good. And, and watching him in preseason, he looks like a legit NFL quarterback the Patriots so uh, and then Kyle Trask was a guy who didn't even really start in high school sat behind Felipe Franks at Florida uh, Franks gets hurt he gets his opportunity and and you know he was a really productive quarterback from last year so if, if you have a guy like that that's young and, and in Bailey's case he's got pretty much his full eligibility left you can say hey you don't need to run away just just because you didn't win the job right now first of all we might need you this season and second of all if you you know stay patient both these guys in front of you may not be here for very long potentially obviously hooker being uh, listed as senior this year milton you know if he blows up he could go pro after the season then then if you're bailey you have a chance to, to win the job next year but you're saying hey sit here we're, we're really good quarterbacks coaches look who we developed look who you could learn from um and, and that would be my pitch if there's any sort of that with bailey but bailey's never seemed like a knee jerk like I, I didn't think if he lost the job he would go straight to the port. I, I didn't i never took him as that kind of player um, and and I, there still might, there still is a chance that he might be the backup, but 
Um, I, I think it's probably tougher than hook on hooker just because of his situation, how he came in, how he transferred and, and the way he's played a lot. And, uh, he probably came to Tennessee thinking he had a really good shot to win this job and mm-hmm. then everything happens. And, uh, the thing, you know, things panned out like they did. I'll, I'll say this too. I talking with Hendon hooker on, you know, the day before preseason practice started, I, I did think it was really interesting that he mentioned, you know, that this quarterback competition was nothing new for him. He said, I, I've had to compete for the job every year I've been in college. And so I, I think he's been in enough of these that he knows how it can play out. He's been on both sides of these. He's lost the job and he's won the job and then later lost it during the season. So he knows that it's not over just because you lose the starting job during uh, preseason camp. Uh, and, and, you know, that, that's maybe not the ideal scenario for him because he, he does have the extra year of eligibility next year because of COVID if he wants it. He's a fifth-year senior uh, essentially but, but can come back next year. So as Patrick said, if Milton has a great year, even if he never gets a chance to start this year, he could still stick around and be the guy next year. That's not the ideal scenario for him, but I, I think he, he's been in enough of these that, that I, I wondered at the time even, is that going to help him if he's not the starter to, to know that, hey, there's no need to hop in the transfer portal right away. I can wait this out, see how things go. And if you know maybe if halfway through the season it looks like Joe Milton's running off at the job, then sure. Maybe maybe you consider your options at that point, but even then, you know, again, Milton could leave after this year for all we know. So, uh, lots of lots of time for for those guys to sort it out, and and for Harrison Bailey especially. Again, the free year of eligibility, he's essentially got five years to play for still. Uh, he's a he's a true freshman in terms of eligibility because last year was a free year, so he's got plenty of time. If this staff can make him better, even if he never ends up starting at Tennessee, it might it might benefit him at his next stop. So you just don't know how these things are going to work out. For all we know, he starts next year as a redshirt freshman, essentially, and, and looks, never looks back, and he's a four-year starter at Tennessee. So for him to leave now, like Patrick said, it, it doesn't it, – it, it's not the type of thing I expected from him necessarily. And, and, you know, they could still surprise us, but at this point I, I think there's still a path for any of those guys to play. And here's the number. I've mentioned this on our message board lately. Uh, five of the past ten years, Tennessee's played three quarterbacks. Just think about that. Uh, so you, about half the time, you're not only going to need two guys, you're going to need three uh, based on Tennessee's recent history. Now, that's a, pro- a troublesome number. You don't want that number, but that tells you they're needed sometimes. Josh Dobbs, when he started as a true freshman, he was the number four, essentially, for most of that year. So uh, you just never know how these things are going to go. So I think either of those guys bailing anytime soon would be a mistake. And, and obviously, it's no surprise that Tennessee didn't name a number two quarterback on the depth chart that they released on Monday. Yeah, because at that point, if you go in knowing you're the number three, uh, you know, it, it, at least not having to play the backup for a little bit buys you some time to make that decision or to, to sort of announce that. So, uh, you know, I, I get that. And I think both of y'all made really good points, uh, you know, when you talk about guys like Mac Jones and Kyle Trask. I just wonder if it's a little, if it's a little bit different once you've gotten a bite of the apple, you know, because last year Bailey did get to start some games, did get to play in a bunch of games. And, and I wonder if that – if that makes it even tougher to go sit there and watch from the sideline afterward, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't, you know, and I, and I think that kid's got a pretty good head on his shoulders. So I don't, I don't expect a knee jerk reaction from him or hooker anytime imminently or anything. I think they would at least go through this season, but, but I don't know. Um, you know, I just wonder, I just wonder if you, if you've already gotten a bite of the apple, if that changes anything, does that make sense? What well, what's what I wonder about is, and I, and I, I would agree with that. All these guys have started games in college at power five programs. So they all think they're, they're worthy of the job at this point. So that does probably make it harder to accept. But I, I, I'm especially curious about Thursday night, because even though there wasn't a number two named on the depth chart, I think we all agree 
this game's probably going to get to a point if, if it goes the way we expect that Tennessee's going to have a, a pretty easy chance to play at least a second quarterback. So who's that first one of those backups that takes a snap and do they even try to get all three in there? It'll be, it'll be fascinating to see how they play that out because they are trying to do a, a, at least a little bit, I think of transfer management, there, keeping those guys happy. So how do they handle that situation in a game where I think they clearly expect to play more than one quarterback? Yeah, I agree with all that. I think there's a lot of good points there, and I think we got a lot more to discuss. Though we talked about the quarterbacks, but there, you know, there there are what eleven or you know ten other positions on offense, eleven positions on defense. You know, you got special teams, all kinds of other things on the depth chart, and and there were a couple of a couple of interesting decisions that were made in that depth chart. At least ones that that were a little bit surprising to me, probably surprising, I guess, to to y'all too, or perhaps so. We got a lot to talk about that, but we're overdue for a break, so we're going to step away for just a second, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, other fun things, and then we'll be right back here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage with over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride-or-die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on just a gorgeous, gorgeous, sunny, uh, sunny, sunny Monday afternoon. Warm, but sunny Monday afternoon here in God's Own, Knoxville, Tennessee. Joined uh, from, from across town there at his home daycare center, Ryan Callahan. Joined from an undisclosed location somewhere in the Knox County area. That would be the one, the only Patrick Brown. Talking Tennessee football here with with uh, Tennessee three days away from the season opener against Bowling Green, which is which is uh, exciting. I think you know it's a first first game under Josh Heupel as a coach. Lots and lots of new faces to watch. Some some new faces, some some old faces, and newer places. Uh, there, there's a lot of a lot of interesting things. There's a lot of lot of moving parts for this Tennessee program going into this season. So I think that makes it certainly more interesting to, to monitor. A couple things though, quickly, guys. If you could take about a, a 90 seconds out of your day right now, and you could go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. That would help us out a good bit. Uh, if you're listening on the website. That's fine. We love you. There's no problem with that if you're listening there on the megaphone stream on the website. That, that's just fine. 
But what would really, really help us is if you go in there, an Apple Podcast, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, you know, Google Podcasts, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod, you can find this very Go Vols 24-7 podcast. So please go in there, rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. It takes you just about 90 seconds, uh, and it really helps us out a lot because we do this for free and we're happy to do it. But the one thing we ask politely uh, is if you could do that because that would help us put more wolves in our wolf pack, and that helps us out a good bit. Got plenty more to discuss here with the Tennessee depth chart. Just one quick note before uh, Josh Heupel did uh, have good news on the vaccination front Monday afternoon. He did say, or Monday morning, somewhere morning, afternoon, right there around noon. Uh, he said that Tennessee has now passed 80% uh, vaccination as a team, and that number continues to rise, and they want that number to continue rising. So it's not at the 100% that Ole Miss is at and Bama's nearly at and some others are nearly at, but it's close. Uh, it, it's above that 80% threshold, which is big news for the team. And it becomes even bigger news uh, when you consider that the SEC has announced that, you know, if, if you have to – if you miss a game because of COVID stuff, that's not getting replayed. That game will go down as a loss. So even more even more impetus for these guys to, to get that vaccination, to take this stuff seriously, to wear their masks. Because if you can't play uh, and you don't have the numbers to play a game, you got a loss. That's That, that maybe changes the calculus for, for some of these guys. So that, that leaves plenty more to be discussed. Guys, Tennessee's depth chart came out Monday. It wasn't just Joe Milton being announced as the quarterback. There were lots of other – uh, positions that, that were laid out there. Obviously, all of them were. Uh, what what things surprised you all? Because when I look at it, I see Elijah Simmons at nose tackle as a surprise. At least to me, Theo Jackson at punt return was a surprise. Um, Arby Solomon not being on there at all was a surprise. What 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 notes did you take away, Pat? I guess I'll start with you first from that depth chart. Uh, probably Simmons, just because uh, I'm just looking at my projected depth chart from earlier this month to always see how well I did. Um, and I, you know, I did pretty good, I think. Yeah, uh, Simmons was in. <laughs> I agree. I Simmons agree. Was, I mean, I got the offensive line spot on. Uh, Milton got the uh, tandem there, at running back with uh, uh, with Jabari Spawn, Tyon Evans, and some of those positions at wide receiver. Like they're going to rotate guys. Um, uh, Simmons is probably a big one. I, I, maybe Jimmy Callaway getting bracketed with Walker Merrill. That tells me that Callaway. Uh, I'm not sure his status for Thursday night because he has been. Um, back before they closed practice down, he was not out there. Uh, and I had heard he was dealing with an injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I don't know. His status has not been updated. Uh, Heupel said Monday that pretty much everybody would be available to play uh, other than Karon Calvert, who, as we know, is out for, um, out, out for a while with, with a biceps deal. Um, so, but, you know, that, that made me think that maybe Callaway – is maybe not going to be ready for Thursday night, in which case Walker Merrill probably would be the second guy up in the slot behind uh, Jalen Hyatt. But um, the defense was a lot harder to to, uh, to uh, project just because you don't get to see a lot of that stuff. Um, but, you know, the linebackers, you know, John Mitchell, Jeremy Banks, I think everybody thought that's how that would play out. The veterans held serve in the secondary. Um, obviously the the competition that, that some of those transfers and some of those younger guys brought back there was – uh, I, I think that was a that was real. I don't I don't think that was just uh, something that was being said. Uh, I think those guys did push those veterans. Those veterans have responded. You know, we've heard from coaches, you know, publicly and privately say that you know those, those veterans have been really consistent, even dating back to the spring and, and through camp. So that's what you want to see. Uh, the defensive line, and, and that's a position really that on a depth chart you don't necessarily put too much stock in because they're going to rotate, right? Uh, and, and it's going to be situational to some degree, and. Um, I don't think Bowling Green, I don't think they're spreading, doing a lot of spread stuff. So, um, 
but uh yeah that that's one of those things where that you kind of have to wait and see how the rotations play out how the snap counts play out before really taking too much into account uh how that depth chart looks at the defensive line but simmons was probably the the biggest surprise to me at least I think the defensive line is definitely where the surprises were on defense. As you said, everyone, everything in the, in the back seven to me, the linebacker spots and the, uh, the secondary pretty much uh, was, was about as expected. I, I did think it was interesting that they did go ahead and list guys who were technically on the roster outside linebackers, or at least have been Tyler Barron and, and Byron Young were listed uh, as defensive ends. So I think that tells you a, Again, Tennessee's fully expecting to be in a lot of nickel this year, so I think that's essentially going to be their their base defense. And, and so you're going to see one of those guys out there uh, in most cases, and maybe on passing downs you could see you know a couple of those edge rushers playing opposite one another. But for the most part, you're going to have, I think, more of a true defensive end on the other side, more of a, a pure defensive lineman, and then one of those Leos on the other side. So that that is uh, at least clarifying in that regard. That maybe a surprise for me on offense was the way the receivers were paired. I, I would have thought, and this mostly just comes from not seeing them go through team periods really the past month, but I would have thought that maybe Cedric Tillman would be bracketed with, say, Javante Payton, as opposed to Valus Jones being listed as a co-starter along with Payton. That, that was interesting to me with Cedric Tillman being locked in as a starter. Uh, that, that, may, that may be surprised to some people, even though Tillman is – pretty consistently drawn praise from Josh Heupel, uh, not just throughout camp, but even in the spring for his performance. So I, I'm not shocked, but that was a little interesting how that was paired. Uh, and then to me, the the kicker spot uh, to see mm-hmm. that still having co-starters there with uh, with Chase McGrath not being uh, the, the the lone guy there, uh, Toby Wilson, the, the walk-on that, that played at the end of last season, still being in the mix. It makes me wonder – is there a chance we see situational kickers? Uh, do they maybe feel as good about Wilson within 40 yards or so uh, that, that maybe they use him in some spots on shorter kicks and take advantage of McGrath's leg strength on longer kicks? I, I don't know, but that, that's at least an interesting possibility that I thought was out there going into camp that maybe is still in play because we're seeing those guys bracketed. They didn't have to do that. Wilson's not a scholarship guy. I don't think you feel like you have to – do anything like that to cater to someone like that. But it, it is interesting to me that the, those guys were listed as co-starters. If you have, is it like quarter, is it like quarterbacks where if you have two kickers, you really have none. That's why. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, it's interesting. I mean, situational kicking probably is the thing like Ryan said, that makes the most sense to me. I mean, I guess it could be just, you chart them throughout the week and whoever does better during the week gets the, gets the job for the kicks yeah. in the game. I, I don't know. The uh, first of all, shout out Paxton Brooks because he is adding holding to his uh, repertoire this year. He's going to kick off, punt, and hold, uh, and he's got a good arm too. So as we've seen in the past, oh, like yeah. some fake punts. He should. He's six foot. Uh, he's, six, he's like six foot eleven. He ought to be able to sling it. Uh, and uh, Theo Jackson as, as the punt returner. We mentioned that a couple of days ago when we got asked about it on the checkerboard, uh, and, and it, it. I think I mentioned that too this weekend, and and when I wrote that he was a guy that really helped himself in the preseason, not only with how he uh, played defensively at that star spot, that nickel spot, but also how he uh, apparently has won the, uh, the the punt return job. And uh, Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong, but he returned punts in high school, right? Way back in the day. He did. Yeah. He played some quarterback too in high school. So he was a, he was a pretty good athlete and, and has a knack with the ball in his hands that, and, that you can, you can say that that's not a stretch. And, and and Grant's not here, but he was obviously very excited to see Tyon Evans as a kick returner, um, which will that, that also is probably 
probably surprise some people, but if you go watch his uh, JUCO film from 2019, uh, he might he might have returned two kickoffs for touchdowns. He had like a 38 yard average or something insane like that. And obviously, Tyon is is not scared of the smoke. Uh, as he showed to Mike Eckler over the course of this offseason. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I, you you beat me to it, Patrick. I was going to say that was a surprise too. And and I and I think fans tend to probably read too much into these depth charts in some cases. So this might be an example of me doing the same here. But I I did think it was very interesting at running back that Tennessee, when they have you know Jabari Small as the elder statesman, and with the you know if you're doing them in numerical order, two comes before eight. They put Tyon Evans in that bracketing first. I, I'm, I'm wondering if he's played his way into getting the first snap Thursday night. Uh, I would have thought coming, going into preseason camp that maybe uh, Jabari Small would get the first snaps, even though those guys are both going to play a lot. I wonder if Evans has been so impressive he's essentially the starter Thursday night. Yeah, the, the other thing that, that came to mind when I looked at the punt return situation is that to me is another indicator that Jimmy Callaway has been dinged up um, because I, I maybe I'm wrong about this, but I just – I've thought that a healthy Jimmy Callaway would have a really good chance to be Tennessee's first team punt return specialist. So I, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just misread that. And Theo Jackson's been the guy for a while now. We certainly haven't seen a lot of special teams periods in practice at all, if any, uh, to this point. So you know, with kicking and returning and everything, so that's probably a bit of a surprise. And, and one thing that was a slight surprise to me, I'm not going to call it like a big surprise because it's what we thought would happen going in uh, to camp. But there for the first couple weeks of camp, it didn't look like Tennessee staff was convinced that Mitchell and Banks would be the two linebackers together in that Mm -hmm. 4-2-5 because you sort of had, um, you know, Mitchell with the ones and Banks with the twos in some cases. And you had other guys like, you know, Pat Garland and and Solon Page and those guys and Aaron Beasley. You had other guys pairing alongside them. So it's not surprising because we thought it might be the case all along or going into camp. But it it might – I was a little bit surprised when I saw it in the depth chart. Am I am I wrong about that? Because did I just I, just completely read that the wrong way? No, I, I don't know that that was. Uh, I don't know that it's been that way the whole time because you know Mitchell obviously got here in the summer, um, and, and they probably gave some early first team work to the guys that were here in the spring. That's pretty common. Uh, and Banks was a guy they hadn't seen, and, and you know we heard from Brian Jean Marie that. They like Banks as a player, but you just got to get him to play under control. You got to get him to play within the system, and um, you want that guy running and chasing the ball carrier down. But you also you want all of that, all that effort, and all that energy going where it's supposed to go. Um, and so I think that that was probably something that uh, needed to happen over time. And in Mitchell's case, he needed to sort of grow into the defense. And uh, although he played in two different schemes at Texas, so learning one and you know, learning another one in a third year, plus this is similar to what he played, I think, last year, so it probably wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, and eventually over time, those two sort of, I think, rose to the top. Not really a surprise there. Um, going back, now I am looking at my defensive depth chart. I, I pretty much got the linebackers in the uh, secondary right. My, my starting defensive line was Butler, Bumpus. Uh, I had bracketed Amari Thomas and Dejon Terry, and then I obviously uh, I had bracketed Byron Young and Tyler Barron as well. So uh, really the defensive line was really the only one that was maybe a little bit different from how I thought it would be. Um, but again, that's a position where – uh, I think you can rotate guys. I was maybe a little bit surprised not to see either of the Garland brothers on there. I think both those guys could potentially play um, both Karat on the defensive line and and Quasi on the uh, linebacker. It is Quasi now. Tennessee changed its roster on its website, oh. and uh, it has pronunciation guides where you just have to like click on the little logo next to a player's name, and it and it says I don't know who it is, 
at first I thought it was going to be Bill Martin, who's Tennessee Sports Info, uh, Sports Information Director. It's not him. It's somebody, though, who does a very, like, very well pronunciated pronunciation of, of some of the harder uh, players to, uh, to, to say. Uh, so if you, if you get bored and you want to check that out, go do that. But mate, the two Garlands I thought would, but I thought they would be on here in some capacity. And uh, I still think both those guys could maybe uh, see some snaps uh, Thursday night and probably be on. Now, Wes, I, I was a little more like you. I, I did think the linebacker situation was at least worth watching. I, I, so I'm, it wasn't a surprise, but maybe a little bit of a surprise that it, that it was kind of, the way fans would have expected, which is Mitchell alongside Banks. I, I will say I think that could be a little bit different situationally in games. I'll be interested in seeing if they do work in Solon Page or, or Aaron Beasley in some situations or even Pat Garland or someone else um, because they do have some guys who give you a little bit more athleticism in space, maybe a little bit more coverage ability, things like that. And as we saw last year, Tennessee was really bad defending the middle of the field with a couple of different linebackers who weren't here now mostly and Henry yeah. Toto and – and uh, Kovar's Crouch, but because Mitchell and Banks are a little bit similar in their skill sets, I wondered if they might want a second guy in there who was a little bit different that gave you a little little more ability to, to cover a lot of ground and, and do something different uh, because those positions are not necessarily ideally suited in today's game to be carbon copies of one another. So I, I, I do think that's at least one where you could see Tennessee play more situationally than people might think, but, but uh, yeah, not, not a surprise, obviously that the guy with as much experience as Jeremy Banks has found his way into the, to the first team listings on this first steps chart. Yeah. The one thing that, that I think maybe convinced them more to go this route and, and I, I it's kind of putting two and two together here. So it's, you know, uh, it's just a hunch on my part. I've heard a lot of people in the past week and a half or so coaches and players alike, both talk about Juwan Mitchell's sort of sideline to sideline speed and his ability to to go out there and cover and to do some different things and having him having that mobility there alongside Banks maybe makes them a little more likely to to be there as a pair. Maybe I'm misreading that, but or or or, or you know putting something out of context. But I just a lot of people seem like they every time you ask anybody on in the program or at least the ones I've talked to about Jawan Mitchell, they've talked about that sideline to sideline ability that he has. And if he can do that consistently, that probably makes it easier to feel like you're putting two Mike linebackers out there at the same time. Now, now I will say that when we, when I talked with some of our Texas guys about Jawan Mitchell back around the time Tennessee added him, I, I mentioned that he mentioned that he said he had lost some weight uh, around the time he committed to Tennessee, and that their reaction was, well, if he has, that's good because it's, I, I think he was a noticeably heavier guy last year than he is now, at least a little he, bit. He does not. Was he? Did they say he played at two thirty-five last season? Or is that? I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think he does right. not look close to two thirty-five no. right now. And actually, really, none of those guys. Uh, I didn't really look at this, but on the roster, none of those guys are listed at more than two twenty-five. I think Aaron Beasley right. is probably one of the heavier linebackers they have, and he's always been a guy that some people wondered if he was, you know, maybe basically a big safety. Um, but Banks, they have him listed at two twenty, so it looks like some of these guys have really slimmed down. So that, that's where I was kind of Mitchell included, with that is, yeah. Yeah, this this staff, you know, obviously you want guys to be able to play in space, especially in a four-two-five. And Mitchell definitely does not look like the sort of bigger middle linebacker that we heard about last year at Texas. Now, the knock on him there was a little bit that, hey, he's not very good in pass coverage and things like that, but he may be a different player this year because he looks a little bit leaner. So that's at least worth noting. And, and Wes, a good point that maybe they feel a little bit better about having those guys alongside each other because Mitchell's not just an inside-the-box middle linebacker. Yeah, the interesting thing is when you look at Tennessee's Mikes and Wills, 
the top four of them on the depth chart go 223, 224, 225, and 226. Very linear right there. Uh, that's interesting. You don't, that's just interesting when you look at it on paper. And they're listed in that order too, 226, 225, 224, 223. So, yeah, th those are guys who would be safeties at some other places almost with that size. But football is a different game these days, and you have to have that mobility. Uh, anything and else? This, oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Ron. Well, as I was saying, this team across the board, I think, is leaner. That's, that's to me, one of the storylines about this team is that, you know, we've written so much in past years about the, the offseason conditioning and all these strength coaches they've had come through. And as many coaches as Tennessee's had, they've had, had more strength coaches over the past uh, 12 or 15 years than anything else. And all these guys have been hyped so much. And, and this year, with the new strength staff, I don't think people have heard a thing about this this new strength staff, and I think they've shown maybe more noticeable gains this year than in most of the past five years to where this is a pretty – I mean, the, we talked with Jerome Carvin on Monday. He's He looks uh, a, a more trim 315 yeah, he, now. He, he, looked, say, he, he looked good. I mean, he looked lean and cut, and he looked like you want your guards to look. He, in this kind of offense, he, he, yeah. he had that look. He said it, he said he's about the same weight he was last year, but he's just differently proportioned clearly, and, and has dropped some fat. I think Darnell Wright, Cade Mays, we talked about those guys looking different. So the linebackers, it kind of just fits in with the rest of this team that that they're just a leaner, uh, not not a noticeably leaner to where it's going to be a problem holding up in the SEC, but just a leaner, more athletic team overall. And that's that's an interesting storyline to follow. Does that make a difference? Does this look like a quicker team out there on the field because of those offseason gains they've made? Yeah, there were a lot of interesting things about this depth chart. Now, I think we've covered just about all of them. There, there were there were a lot of interesting, not I mean, not not like shocking, but but a couple of surprising tweaks in there. But you know, it's what you're going to get, right? I mean, we've not been, let's be honest, we've not seen practice for what a week and a half now because Tennessee has just, you know, toward the end of camp, they just sort of really, really took access away there we still got to talk to guys um, but we didn't see as many practices so obviously things can change in that amount of time and and we're talking to people who are at practice we're hearing reports it's not like we're in the dark but you know there's just there's no substitute for really seeing it and and that's probably why Tennessee hasn't wanted us around for the past week and a half uh, to, to watch practice but but what, what, what was what, what do we make of that by the way what what do we think about the fact that they closed down practice was that strictly quarterback based you think or what I mean what yeah, that, I don't know what to really take from that. that. That was sort of where I was going next, because to wrap this episode up is that I, I, I'm wondering they, they took away practice there for the for a week and a half for us to see, which, again, no big deal. It's their program. It's their right. That's what they want to do. It's what they want to do. Blah, blah, blah. It's that's the truth. That's their right. What I was interested in is did that mean that that was just a quarterback thing or were they just getting a little bit tighter? as we got to the first to, to the first game and, and really things started to really get on the business end. But I, and that's, that's why going into to today being Monday, today's presser, I wanted to see sort of, did Hypo look a little bit different? Did he look a little bit more serious dialed in, um, you know, maybe tight in some ways. I, I think Hypo was incredibly loose during the presser today. I mean, he's still undefeated at Tennessee, right? So there's, there's no pressure. It's almost kind of a honeymoon season in some ways, but I thought he handled it pretty pretty well. I thought he was out there and seemed pretty relaxed to me. I'll say Josh Heupel, to me, has been remarkably consistent and not not necessarily in an exciting way in press conferences, but he, he pretty much always seems like the same guy. I've not seen him really have different days. You know, some coaches you can tell when they've had a rough day on the practice field or whatever. He, he's remarkably consistent in his messaging. It's going to make it probably boring for fans after a while because I don't think he's going to say a whole lot of flashy things about – uh, about the team, we'll see how he is post game on Thursday and and in future games. But I, I do think he he's been 
pretty steady. And so not, not surprising to see him handle it that way, but yeah, the, the, the sort of clandestine practices, you know, here down the stretch is definitely a little bit different. It makes me wonder, you know, are we going to see some surprises out there? Is this a, more of an attempt to, uh, to, to keep some things under wraps and that maybe not just in the Bowling Green game, but in the Pittsburgh game or whatever, or is this just, was this strictly about not wanting to say much about the quarterback until they decided whether they were going to announce that or not. So I, I don't know. I, I thought that was an, at least an interesting twist to the final two weeks of preseason practice. I was waiting to see if Pat had any thoughts on the matter. Well, apparently not. Talk there. How did I get the cue? <laughs> are we, are we starting start using cue cards or what? Yeah, it's uh, here. Here, this is me saying, Pat, I'm giving you the finger guns right now. Go, 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 right, go. What are we talking about? I kind of blanked out. <laughs> <laughs> that is impressive. That is really impressive. What's talking about just uh, the the way that Hypel has sort of practice access has sort of, you know, it's been well, taken away in the past week and a half. And d- did that mean things were getting tighter, or was that just the quarterback deal they didn't want us to know? And then on top of that, just his, his tightness in general. I don't know if it's either, maybe some SEC season's getting close, paranoia, but there were multiple instances right before this happened that uh, they would be doing something, and it was typically on offense. Uh, they would be doing something, and he would say, don't shoot this uh, for video purposes. Uh, a lot of times it was uh, – sometimes it was mesh points where they would call out. They, mm-hmm. you know, they would have run calls. Don't film that. We don't, you know, we don't, don't want that audio out because obviously if they're calling that at the line – that can be picked up on. They had some combination routes they would run near the goal line, which, uh, you know, bring a guy in motion, basically schematics, you know, mm-hmm. strategy type stuff that, that you don't want shot. Um, and they were only opening up two plus periods anyway. So if, if one of those periods is, is pretty much off limits for uh, video uh, or, or for shooting, then, you know, then it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to open up any of it. So I think that was probably the reason. Um, now, I mean, Tennessee's not going to be the first team that's going to run rub routes near the goal line or, uh, or this, that, and the other. But, I mean, that's just kind of how coaches get when they are in this league. And, you know, that's their prerogative. And uh, having said that, we've probably had better access than a lot of teams. Um, Agreed. Uh, around and, and especially keeping, you know, Tennessee's done what they can to keep in-person interviews, which has been nice. A lot of places, I know Georgia and Florida kept everything on Zoom, even though they have you know, you know, every, you know, they're going to pull stadiums on Saturday, but uh, they can't have players talk to media from this, you know, it's whatever. So uh, I, I don't know that it's necessarily either of those two things that caused the, the practice to go behind closed doors. I do think we will get at least one day of practice access uh, once they get back to a regular game week. I think it was just different this week because uh, their game week was moved up two days because they're playing on Thursday. Yeah. And the other thing, Pat, we were talking about was just sort of the, the, the way Hypel sort of looked pretty loose on Monday. You know, sometimes you wonder if going into the first week of a game at a place like Tennessee, you're the head coach, first time as an SEC head coach, and, and you know, will you be well, ready for that moment? He looked pretty He looked pretty comfortable, pretty confident Monday. Yeah, he, he, he's dealing with some allergies. I can relate to him on that yeah, uh, yeah. This, in, this, in this city, this part of the state. Um, hopefully some of the uh, – hopefully for, for Hypel, the uh, rain that's coming in will knock out some of the allergens around. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's interesting because, and you know, we've talked to some players about this too. I mean, talked to Amari Thomas last week and he never got to run through the tee or do the ball walk last season as freshman because of COVID stuff. So yeah, that's going to be new to a lot of different players um, that have been here. So that, that'll be exciting for a lot of guys. And, 
Um, I, I'm interested to see how Tennessee starts on Thursday night because there's going to be a lot of, I don't say anxiety, but you know, it, it would be easy for a player to get revved up after playing in a quarter full stadium last season, especially if it was, you know, as miserable as the season Tennessee had. Uh, and then, you know, you, you have a full stadium and it's night. Uh, you've been waiting for this new staff, all this stuff, uh, all, all the things that have happened over the past eight plus months um, has been building towards Thursday night. I'm interested to see how well some of Tennessee's players can sort of handle the moment and, and be able to execute when they need to, regardless of whether they're playing Bowling Green or, or Green Bay. I think that'll be interesting to me to see, but I'm sure it'll be cool for Heupel and a lot of his staff too. Cause um, you know, I mean, Heupel's coached in the stadium before, right. At Missouri. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. He was, he was not with Oklahoma when they came here in 2015. So he had, he had gotten let go the, the season before, but he was there in Missouri. He's seen a game day there. Um, and so I'm sure it'll be something that he's thought a lot about too, since he took this job about being able to, to, to go out there that first night and uh, run through the tee and do all the stuff that, that uh, coaches and players come here to do. Yeah. And and I, well, Thursday, Thursday night, I was just going to say, it's going to be fun. I think for, for all of us, you know, it's, we're obviously still in the midst of this pandemic, but, you know, going to a nearly full arena for a playoff hockey game back in May is like the most normal feeling thing and going to a nearly full baseball stadium this summer, you know, those things to do those again, it felt normal, you know, almost, even though it's not totally normal yet. And so it, it's going to be really cool to be back in the stadium with, you know, 80,000 plus, whatever the crowd ends up being. That's that's an interesting storyline to me is there, there are a lot of good tickets still available, it looks like. So what's the crowd like? Uh, we know the season ticket numbers are down. What's the final attendance end up being? They're discounting tickets and doing what they can. But obviously some people might be still cautious about coming out and some people still just kind of lukewarm about where this program is right now. Um, so those obviously are challenges. And then the, the game day changes too. You know, how, how do the, the new LED lights and, all those things uh, affect things. That what's the reaction to those? The DJ Sterling Pearl being back on the field. Uh, it, it'll be a fun atmosphere Thursday night. So I think people are looking forward to that, including the players, as you said, some some guys that are, are second year players in this program that have never been through the Vol Walk and all those things. And the Vol Walk will be a little different. Uh, if you didn't notice that part of the game day enhancements and things like that, they announced one of the things they are doing is giving the team a little more space with the Vol Walk naturally during the. During a pandemic, you don't want fans necessarily right up on the players, so they are going to keep some distance with the ball walk this year, but it's back. So those things being part of game day again, I think will make Thursday a lot of fun. Yeah, I think we're all looking forward to it, and I think we'll have uh, probably – I don't know if we'll do another episode before the game or after the game since it's on a Thursday because if we do a specific game preview like Thursday morning, I'm not really sure – what you get from that going into a game that's Thursday night. So we might we're not just doing have, that. It's, bowling, it's not, we're not doing that. It's Bowling Green. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of, I'm kind of with Pat there. I'm thinking, no offense to the Falcons. I'm, I'm thinking post game pod is probably what makes more sense for that one. So you'll probably hear from us then again, but guys, unless y'all got anything else, I think we're at a good place to end it. I thought I'm good with that. I already have checked out anyway. So uh, <laughs> it, it happens, man. It happens. I appreciate the honesty. Thanks guys. Thanks Wes. And thank you all for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We say this every episode, but we always mean it. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing else on your Twitter feed, you can get that at twitter.com slash Go 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 
plenty of plenty of stuff on there all day long, every day. Tons and tons of good stuff on that Facebook page. But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee sparkling, clear, delicious Smoky Mountain spring water right from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football. Football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting. They got a big recruit there, another commitment, uh, another signee uh, last week that we talked about. So you can go back uh, and get that edition of the podcast. I said it again, edition of the podcast. Go back and get that there. We got Lady Vols coverage with Maria Cornelius, who does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us. We got two forms running around the clock all the time. We got the checkerboard and the summit where you can go 24 hours a day seven days a week and talk Tennessee athletics or anything else in your life that is not political or religious in nature with thousands of Vols fans from across the world with all of us who are the the staff members of the site we're on there all day every day tons and tons of good stuff there and, and plus what a couple dozen at least fresh content items every day at Go Vols 24-7 we're cranking out content like nobody's business you get all of that after a seven day free trial you get all that for the low low price of less than one mediocre freaking lunch that's all it costs for an entire month of GoVols 24-7. It's even cheaper if you buy it with the annual package. And you get all of those things I just mentioned in addition to Paramount+. Plus. You get access to that for free, which is CBS, Viacom's streaming platform. It used to be CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount+. Plus. Every show CBS has ever done, commercial-free. You get uh, things, you know, fresh movies, new movies, old movies, classics that roll in and out every single month. You get stuff from the catalogs of uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, Smithsonian, all of that, plus live sports. You get Vol stuff, SEC stuff, NFL stuff, uh, PGA Tour stuff, lots of great PGA Tour uh, stuff on there. You got the uh, you got UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, just so many, so many things. That's a $100 plus annual value in your pocket for free. Nobody else can do that for you. We can do that. It's a pretty good deal. You should go take advantage of it right now. Go to GoVols247.com. If nothing else, I think uh, I said you'll hear from us again after the Bowling Green game, whether that'll be late that night or early that next morning. Sometime right after the Bowling Green game, you should hear from us. And until then, guys, if you're coming to Knoxville, be safe. Uh, And if you're not coming to Knoxville, be safe. Get that vaccine. Keep those hands clean. Wear that mask when you're around other people. Let's, Let's have a season, guys. Let's have a football season, and we can only do that if we're all on the same page. So let's get on that same page, and if nothing else, just be nice to each other. There's way too much rudeness going on these days, way too much vitriol. Let's tone that down a bit. Let's be good to each other. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.